And welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Trip Mitchell. That is Randall Carlisle. How are you today? I am wonderful. You, I am jealous of. Why? Because last week's guest, Angela Martindale, brought in all these energy bars. Yes. And I had, you gave me one. I, I kept the rest, and look at how much energy I have now. See, well, I, but uh, what was very funny is when she talked about us all getting together to work out in the morning, you look like you've just seen Ebola. Exercise is not one of my strong points. But I, I you, eat pretty healthy, and I have a pretty clean lifestyle now, but I, exercise is not part of it. So, you never were doing curls on the set no, between no. in commercials. I was afraid I'd get too muscular and I'd have too many women coming after me, and I just didn't didn't want that. It know. it is a concern, <laughs> but the purpose of this show is we've great opportunity. We've met so many wonderful people who've been in addiction, but most importantly, have made the decision that they want out. And recovery is an amazing thing. And we've talked to over fifty people who. have been in the throes of addiction, sure. come out the other side, and have had amazing life. And we'll give out a phone number in just a little bit. Uh, I, Odyssey I, House. I, I saw this article, and it, it it's no wonder we have the problem we have today. I mean, this blew me away. Guess how many opioid pills were shipped between 2006 and 2014 just in America? 300 million people. Yeah. So... My guess is it's probably close to a billion pills. 100 billion. 100 billion opioid pain pills between 20, 2006 and 2014. That is wonder why people are hooked and having problems now. Boy, and I'm hearing horror stories from one of the other shows. We had a woman who had a disease where just incredible facial pain. And she's fortunately gotten off and found a, a, a powder that can help her, a natural right. powder. But she said... Having something like this, once all of a sudden the opioid crisis came to light, and then she couldn't get enough pills. Right, right. So we had a case for 10 years where physicians were getting the opioid company, and the one in particular, was encouraging people. They, they oh, told sure. physicians that this was not addictive, yeah. and there could be yeah, nothing further from the truth. Know. 100 billion. I mean, that's shocking to me. I don't, 100 billion of anything is shocking. But wow, that is... That, <laughs> I know, so... God bless. Well, a little factoid to tell at your next party. Who's our guest today? We have, uh, can we bring her on now? Let's do it. Okay, uh, we have the band is in rehearsal right now. So Mary Jo McMillan, who is in charge of Usera. And we always have a debate when we've had some of your other people on. You've always told me, because we've known each other for a long time, that it's Usera, but everybody says Usara. And you always, then when I ask you, you say, either way will do. Either way is fine. It, 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 what it, do you prefer? Well, let's put it this way. I say you, you Sarah, because it was Sarah Utah when we had our first right. inception. But the name changed to you, Sarah. But I called it Sarah Utah, so it was you, Sarah. But everybody, including my own husband, calls it you, Sarah. So it really is both ways. And, and I, I really need to get used to calling it Usara so I don't okay. confuse well, people. We'll call but it Usara then. You call, okay. call it Usara. Right. I, think that is, I think that has been um, the majority um, favorite, and we go with the majority favorite. I've, I've known Mary Jo both as a news person and now in the recovery community. And my observation, just a personal opinion, that Usara 
is probably one of the most important organizations that exists uh, in terms of recovery in Utah uh, because of the fact that it, they're not a treatment center, they're not, and she can explain everything they do, but it's just, we refer people when they get out of our program to go to USARA, uh, and, and they just do so many things that is unbiased, not saying if people come in and say they have a problem, they don't say, well, go to Odyssey or go to First Step or something like that. It's just, we can, we'll help you if you need help. So maybe you can explain, first of all, what USARA stands for, but I, I'm just so impressed with your organization because it's just, without you guys, the recovery community would not be what it is today, so. Well, thank you, Randall, I appreciate that. And, and you know, we, we talked a lot, you know, when I first met you, it was exciting that you, you were very interested in what we were doing. So, um, USARA is uh, the Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness. My first suggestion was change the name because it's too hard to say. But well, I have, a, I have a couple renditions, but I think well, it, it, it's mostly known as um, USARA because, yeah. um, and you have to have, of course, your nonprofit status, and that's the. Okay, language. try it one more time slowly. Okay, Utah Support Advocates for Recovery Awareness. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's a lofty. What you, it's you, a lofty name. What do you do? So um, what we do is we are, of course, a nonprofit uh, recovery community organization, and so a recovery community organization, um, we are one um, 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 of about a hundred, over a hundred in the United States. Um, there is an organization by the name of Faces and Voices of Recovery. And uh, about 10 years ago, um, when I uh, was on the board of uh, USARA, to, um, uh, we, were, we had one employee at that time. <laughs> and, then, um, and then I actually, um, that employee left, and I became the director. At that time, I was like, well, who are we and what do we do? Because we had an idea. We had a vision. And mostly what we were doing was advocacy work. We were really trying to... Um, uh, have the conversation with legislators, community members about recovery being um, something that was individual and um, ongoing for somebody with a chronic illness of addiction. And um, so, just to, yeah, for kind of a controversial thing to be up at the state capitol advocating for people in recovery. You probably in the beginning probably felt like I'm I'm not loved here. Well, you know, there was um, actually the contrary. I actually think that that uh, when we first started out, there was like, well, you had some people say, well, I'm not very familiar with anybody with addiction. Right. Or, um, you know, secretly what wasn't being said is, oh, well, I, we don't, I don't know any of those people. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I think that's you know, just the stigma of the, of the time uh, over 10 years ago. And we've come a long way since then. Since then, we've had legislators that have been impacted personally by somebody they know, by a family member, and we really had, I think, quite a momentum of legislators really understanding that uh, substance, people with substance use disorders were people with a brain disorder, and they needed, they needed uh, treatment, they needed help. So I think what has happened um, in this recovery movement and having recovery community which is people telling their stories about recovery, all different types of recovery. And that really contributed to this, um, I think, uh, momentum of advocacy that really brought it to the forefront of what's happening in our state. 
Um, and then, of course, the opioid epidemic did that. Um, but addiction's been around for a long time in the state of Utah. Um, substance Since use disorders, days, probably, that's it. Um, alcohol still being the leading contributor to people's um, uh, substance use disorder, right. um, along with methamphetamine, um, and then here we are with opiates. People, and I think what happened is people without um, And do you think abuse, that opiates might have been the... So we've met a lot of people who maybe grew up in LDS families, no history of alcohol, no history of drugs, get hurt, and then all of a sudden opioids become part of their life. Mm -hmm. And as Randall pointed out, yeah. 100 billion yeah, had to go you, somewhere. You had access to them. Yeah. That, that all of a sudden has allowed legislators to meet a lot of people that they wouldn't normally right. Right. interact with. Yeah. What services do you because I, I, you provide so many services now, if you could just go through them. I... Sure. So, so, so primarily there's the advocacy piece, but, but something that happened because um, USERA and recovery community organizations are made up of individuals in recovery themselves. Um, and that is a, a status that we have to um, have according to the bylaws of Faces and Voices of Recovery and our own bylaws as an organization. So more than 50% of the people have to be in recovery themselves, and and really, it's about you know there we shouldn't be making decisions about people with addiction who are in recovery without their voices, and so that is the foundation of what we do, and um, so in addition to advocacy, we did some celebrations like Recovery Day, which now we have seven, I think eight throughout the state of Utah that happen in the month of September, and then what we also um, do is we have. Uh, peer recovery coaches, and there are certified peer specialists that have some training, but what we uh, do is take that training in a non-clinical um, environment and... Uh, and non-judgmental. And non-judgmental is really invite people to come in to talk to us about what they think they need um, to help be successful in their own recovery. And they determine what it is. We don't prescribe what it is. We don't have a treatment plan for them. We do help them identify maybe some goals that they want to have as part of what we call recovery plan. Um, help them gain something that we call recovery capital. And recovery capital are the things that would make me successful in my recovery, such as you know, my housing. Do I have stable, stable housing? Um, do I have health care? How healthy am I? Do I have the access to getting the health care that I need? Do I have social and family support? Do I have people who are there for me when I might be struggling? Um, it, with substance use, it could be it could be a return to use. It could be a mental uh, co-occurring mental health condition. Um, but I need that social support and people who understand. Um, and then you know, just an overall ability to have a sense of purpose. You know, what do I do for work to support myself? How do I feel of value in the community? So those are kind of some of the basic things that we help people identify and, for and themselves. And peer support is is what I was referring to about clients who are leaving Odyssey House and who have been in residential care or anything, we frequently say, you know, if you don't know what you're going to do or where you're going to go, go to USARA and, and get a peer support person. And it's all free, by the way. Uh, it's in, and, and you could go in high if you wanted, if you relapsed or anything else. And there's no, there's no judgment. It's a really no stigma to it. No, whatsoever. none whatsoever. It's a really cool place to walk into. They're located, I suppose we should say, we have to, this is an informal setting, so he's come on in and have a seat. No, come on in, come on in and have a seat. And you're located on 21st South, uh, 180 East, 2100 South, um, in the TV specialist building. Oh, I know and, where that I, yeah. I bought equipment there. We, we walk in and 
So that, yeah, that's our first center. And so we now we have a recovery center also in St. George, um, in Ogden, and in Price, Utah. And we have a recovery coach in Moab. So really what we wanted to do was provide recovery support services and help uh, people start to have a place where uh, recovery meetings could happen. So whether you're a person who might be interested in 12-step support, young people in recovery, uh, smart recovery, Dharma recovery. What is Dharma recovery? I Dharma think that's recovery? What I, yeah, that's what I've done. So Dharma recovery is... Oh, a, I did dumb recovery. Oh, you <laughs> did dumb recovery. Well, you know, we... I, I, <laughs> we I, I actually them, wouldn't call somebody's recovery dumb because if you just make an effort and, it, and it's on your own. And sometimes that can be challenging because, you know, if I have some impaired thinking, some of my own decisions aren't always the best decisions. You think? <laughs> Uh, and even totally sober, that happens. So, you know, you have mentors and advisors. And I think in life, it's normal anyway. If I want to do something and be better at what I do, I'm going to seek out some support from somebody who has some experience. You know, and a lot of that came, you know, what we learned about recovery support and peer support really came out of Alcoholics Anonymous, where they had sponsors and mentors to help them stay sober a day at a time. And so other 12-step programs and, and I think the peer movement has um, really evolved to having lots of different ways that people recover, not just my way. I'm a person in long-term recovery myself, and um, I did it uh, through, through uh, an anonymous program. And um, uh, I have uh, 34 years of uh, no drug or alcohol use. And she was a bad girl before she got sober. <laughs> I, was, maybe. I, I actually went to treatment for an eating disorder. That's how much in denial I was about my substance use problem. I didn't have an eating disorder problem, but when I went to treatment, they do things called urine drug screens. Ah. And there was a there was a, a, a few, and I, <laughs> I, I, I hadn't admitted to like three or four things that were in there. And so they said, It's well, funny how those screens all of a sudden bring <laughs> out a No, I was like, you know, I had to explain myself. And, um, and, and they, had, they had another, uh, they said, well, you have an eating disorder, and we we're also going to have you look at what we call chemical dependency at that time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I've, I've been grateful that I've been able to sustain recovery, but it was with a lot of health and support from my family, from having health care insurance. I had a place to live. And I think one thing that we see um, as advocates is there's a lot of people who have a lot of barriers to their recovery. And if you don't have a safe place to live and you don't have access to medical care and access to treatment ongoing, therapy, after you go through treatment. Sure. Um, such as Odyssey House, First Step, House of Hope, any of the, and there's many, many treatment programs who help that foundation. What we really need is what do you do to follow up and connect? And if you don't have that connection to other people who are doing the same thing, working on themselves to not return to substance use, you know, the likelihood of you returning when you struggle is gonna is gonna happen, and that's the chronic nature of it. So we really want to help pe support people, and if they have a setback, recovery is a continuum. And if I have an incidence of use, then I'm still on this continuum, moving towards my you know my wellness. And I think that's really how we see recovery now. And that's been controversial. Oh sure, you know, I mean between abstinence, now we have people on medication for opiates, right. which is appropriate, so they can be stable enough to recover. And so you know we're we're. We're, we're really dealing with a problem that has gotten so out of control. Um, we're doing everything we can, I think, as a state and as a community to help people get better. But we've got a lot, a long road to haul. But one of the things I've learned from the good fortune of working with Randall and Lee through the show is that the state of Utah is actually very progressive in many ways. Yeah. And one would think that given the LD, LDS culture that 
we wouldn't be very progressive. Nothing could be further from the truth. It, that's that's really really so. Um, the LDS Church did um, their family LDS Family Services actually got permission from the General Service Office of Alcoholics Anonymous to do uh, the LDS Twelve Steps, and that that's I think probably at, at least maybe 20 years old. It uh, could be wow. 15, 20 years old. So they were really leading out at the time to help um, you know, the people in their community um, to have, have a, a platform that they could recover um, that was affiliated with the church. And um, that's, been, that's been quite a, um, a popular thing for people. And we had recover. a guest early on in the show who was a LDS bishop in recovery. Yeah. And that, that was, the light went on there. I'm going, that is surprising and encouraging. I think we probably have more, more than we know. And again, I still think we're struggling with stigma. I still think people are concerned about, I need to remain anonymous because I'm fearful of, the, uh, of somebody who might judge me um, in a negative view. And you know, that's still alive and well, stigma. We, we, we have a, we've, we've come a long way, but I think people are still very careful. Who do I want to know? Not only am I in recovery, but is my loved one in recovery? I, I was afraid of that all my life. I thought, my God, how could I, if people knew that the guy they watch on TV is a functioning alcoholic, how can they respect me or believe me or anything else? And it really had nothing to do with my skills as a news reporter, right. you know. Yeah, we're very capable people. Though you did it the easy way. You were always sober. Well, I was sober at work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, much but, easier. And she was beginning to say, and I, and I found this, at the meeting, you know, through meetings and everything else, alcoholics and addicts are very intelligent people, very creative people. They're, very. they're my favorite people. <laughs> I would say, you know, people with substance use disorders, I mean, they're, they're just, they're, they're like everyone, because anyone is susceptible sure. to, to addiction. And it can happen as a result of circumstances. It can happen like it did for me as a result of kind of being a, a, an uh, adolescent, looking to party and, and being introduced to some things that I thought made, made life uh, more pleasurable. And for a period of time, it did, and it was fun until it wasn't. And then it became more of a coping mechanism. And that's when things really spiraled out of control, which they typically do for people. Um, other people don't always become addicted, but a lot of us are susceptible to Certainly. become addicted. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back and get a chance to find more about Usara, Usara, whatever the heck Usara, Usara. We'll say we'll Usara. Right okay. And welcome back to Odyssey House Journals. We are learning a ton today. That's Randall Carlisle, and I'm Trip Mitchell. And before we go any further, let's give a phone number out. The Odyssey House <coughs> number, just for information, we're not saying if you, if you need some information about a, a loved one or yourself, uh, call 801-322-3222. And again, we're not, we say this every, every show, we're not trying to push Odyssey House. It just happens to be where I work, and that's what we call the show, so... And it really, it's an opportunity to talk to someone. If you've got someone, a loved one who's got some alcohol, drug issues, great number to call. Or you could people. call USARA uh, because they pass out any kind of general information you would, you would have about anything. And, and they're totally non, Odyssey's non-judgmental as well. But these guys are like really middle of the road everything when it comes to. And what is a good number for USARA? Um, it is 385-210. 0320. Okay. And even better, our website, which is www.myusara.com. Perfect. You know, one of the cool things about USARA, 
that uh, it, I don't know if you thought about this when you when you got sober. I certainly thought about it a lot. Is I can't have fun if I'm sober, and you guys do a lot of social activities to include the recovery community and their families. You want to? Yeah. So um, uh, we the recovery day events are very festive events. Um, they happen in September. Um, every Friday night we do what's called family fun night. And on Friday nights uh, at our, uh, actually our Salt Lake City Center, um, St. George, I'm not sure how frequently, but in Price also, um, and uh, once a month in Ogden, we do a night where the families can bring um, their young children um, and they can have a social evening. Um, in our Salt Lake uh, Center, what we have is a movie night. So we do a PG-13 uh, or a, G a G general audience movie. Um, so the kids, we put beanbags out, we have pizza and popcorn so that they can all um, gather to watch a movie and adults can also talk too. They can't drop off their kids, but they're there to kind of support each sure. other. And so that's been, that's been a really um, fun thing that we've gotten to do. And then we try to have events like there might be um, a, a spring celebration like an Easter egg hunt or trunk or treat. Um, and so really trying to, you know, identify what the community wants and, and, and it really is the community that puts it together. Um, we've worked on several things. Odyssey House is always coming out in full force with all the, all the peers. We call them peers um, and participants that come out to do all of our activities. We have, um, we have um, uh, recovery walks as well. So, um, you know, one of the things that I think is exciting about having a center is that people from all different types of recovery can come and gather and they have a common purpose. That's why I say she's, it's, her organization is so important because it's, it's there. It's, you know, it's kind of omnipresent. It's not political yeah. in any way. It's, yeah. it's there it's to not, support everyone. In the and then also, uh, the other thing I really wanted to talk about to mention is family support. We also have families in recovery. And family members, we run a program throughout the state called CRAFT uh, uh, for family members. It's CRAFT Family Support. CRAFT stands for Community Reinforcement and Family Training. So we help family members learn how to cope with the uh, addiction, a loved one's addiction, so that they themselves aren't always getting beat up by, you know, the behaviors that their loved one has when they're under the influence of substances. And also all the fears and discomfort when you have a loved one with addiction. So the family member really is impacted. So we really try to help them learn about how to deal with it in their own way so that they have their own recovery. And that's been really successful. And, and the key there is, I mean, so many families... You could have like uh, a mom and dad and, and maybe three kids if one of the kid has a substance use issue. And so they become addicted to the kid's substance use issue and sort of the, the other two kids are good anyway. We don't have to worry about them. And it, it screws up families. It screws up husbands and wives with a good guy and a bad guy. Uh, you know? Oh, yeah. There's no, you don't want to help that. It, it's so difficult in that situation. That's why family support groups are so important. Where do you get your funding from? Uh, well, we... Um, she's at Randall. She, well, she's out on the street corner with a sign begging all the time. That's happened on a couple occasions. <laughs> um, but, uh, of course, we are a nonprofit, so we do get money from contributions from donors. But a lot of what we get is government funding. So the state of Utah, uh, the Division of Substance Use and Mental Health, which is through the Department of Human Services, uh, we contract with them to do... Uh, recovery support services that are delivered by peers. One of our newest programs is ARCHES, Addiction Recovery Coaching in Emergency and Healthcare Settings, and Healthcare and Emergency Settings. And so we deploy peers who can meet somebody at an emergency department 
um, when they are in a crisis from opioids. And we've met some of the, and we, that had, is we had Riley and Amy yeah, on. Exactly, yeah. exactly. I couldn't have been more impressed with those two. And you know, you're, you're in a hospital, the world has come apart, and to have a friendly voice there I is think, I pretty think wonderful. I think all peers really have that capacity to connect with someone else. And they don't have to explain a lot. It's really just saying, you know, I understand because I've been through something similar. And then we, we say, how can we help you? I mean, because I really believe that individuals do know what help they want. Now, they might not like what options are out there, but if we start to have that conversation, they really start to get to a place that we can help them maybe build a more solid foundation of what does help them. And um, I think a lot of people sometimes just need that conversation. They need that voice to start to let somebody know, this is what I think will help. Even if it might not be the thing that I think that they need to help, right. they're going to have to go down their path, and I can make some suggestions and offer support, but they still have to be the steward of their own recovery. And that is a, such a good point because it's different for each and every one of really us. And, and the cool thing when they're in there, they don't say like, well, you know, you almost died from a heroin overdose. You know, you need to go to recovery or treatment. It's it, And I've talked to Amy and Riley about that. If, well, you've got options. You could go out and keep using and you might end up like you are right now. You could go to a treatment program. You could, you know, you could use MAT uh, and... And, but it's not, this is what you need to do. These are the options. It's, it's up to you. And that's a cool way to deal with people. It is. Yeah, it so is. thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much. She's, she's one of my favorite people, and your organization is just so super. Uh, well, so. Let's give the phone number out one more time and the website. Sure. It is um, 801 281, oh, sorry. 385. 385. How about that? I knew. I know. Thank you. 385-210-0320. And it is on the website, myusara, M-Y-U-S-A-R-A.com. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming Thank in. Thank you, Skip. I really appreciate it. We, tip. Uh, is it tip? Trip. It's trip. Trip. Sorry about that. D- don't <laughs> worry. Okay. Don't worry. They're, hey, Skip. Our oh, guest. I like that better than trip. Skip our guest trip. next week calls me Wedge. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll explain oh, why. Okay, That's for skiing technique. Okay, got you. We okay, really appreciate you watching. Uh, what do we want to do? Do you want to explain, because you're a young tech guy, what should we do to get more followers with our 12,000 if, if you're listening on Spotify or iTunes, you can subscribe. Uh, and on YouTube, you can subscribe as well. And if you're and share it as, as much as you can, uh, because we're trying to get more listeners and viewers and and we've had a hundred thousand views on Facebook yeah and about good week 12,000 listeners which in the state of Utah so so Mary Joe if because we we get you know we get analytics on on the thing so if you only draw five or six thousand and somebody else drew eleven or twelve thousand I I don't know what that but we won't know (laughs) until after we air this well we'll we'll send the information to your agent okay please please do um I I think um She'll be really excited to get that information. Okay. But um, but you're getting the voice, uh, you're getting the message of recovery out there, and that people with substance use disorders do recover. And yep. you guys, thank you so much for doing that. Yep. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.